This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super stoked to be here with each and every one of you today for another episode of Barroom Network's favorite baseball show. That's actually not true. South Burbs Hitman's a great show. We've had other great shows in the past. We just love baseball here at the Barroom Network and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And the Chicago White Sox have actually been the team in town playing better lately, which wasn't able to be said even just a couple weeks ago. And so I thought, who can I talk to about some White Sox this week? You know, some good vibes. Who brings good vibes to the White Sox conversation? Boom. My friend from Sport Zone Chicago, one of the first people to ever bring me on a live broadcast in the history of my life, Sean Sierra. Sean, Sport Zone Chicago's Sean Sierra. How are we doing? Vinny, what's up, Papa? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I love having you on. I've told you this many times, but we, we always have great conversation no matter whose show it actually is. We do. We do. Absolutely. So lately, the White Sox have been really, really good. Seven and three in their last 10, eight and three in their last 11. Um, why? <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I don't know what's, what the change, what caused the change. I mean, Tim Anderson's healthy. Uh, Yo-Yo's healthy. Um, you know, Lou Bob has been not going to cover off the ball. Um, <clears throat> uh, Eloy will be out, should be back soon. But all those, everyone but Eloy coming back has been a big help. And I don't know what what the um, igniter was, but man, we we missed it. You know, maybe it was just everybody out being out hurt, but or maybe it was Pedro, you know, saying something to them in the locker room. I don't know what it was, but you know what? They are slowly but surely. Um, bringing me back into the fold. I wasn't. Spe- I told people on my show I'm not spending a lot of money on them. I went to opening day and it was it. I had I was there Saturday, you know, for those track jackets, which are pretty nice. Uh, I bought a ticket and just went in and got a got the track jacket and left. I'm like I'm not I'm not spending money. I'm not. Uh, you know, this team is too talented. They should be a lot better and further along than they are. Um, so you know what. Unless it's a really cool giveaway, I'm not giving them my money. And I was there, and I, was, I actually should have stayed because that was a really good game last Saturday. So uh, I'll I tell you what, the pitching, and maybe it's the pitching, but everything seems to be coming together at the right time uh, or right now, so I'm, I'm happy for it. Uh, I need two two series wins in a row. They're going for the sweep today. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what they're doing. Not happy with them overall with a record, but with, in the last couple of couple of weeks, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm curious. Do you think the White Sox are the most talented team in the AL Central? Yes, hands down, hands okay. down. And that's why I have the. That's why I'm so. I get so frustrated with them because they they, they don't. To me, it, it doesn't seem like they have a sense of urgency. It seem to me, it doesn't seem like they don't want to be the best. And they don't. They have. They you had to. You have to have a maniacal attitude about being the best. You know. And there's you know people you know the. The Kobe, the Mamba mentality, or the MJ mentality, whatever it is. But you see those types of players, Magic Johnson, all these guys, those winners, all right. They they hated losing more than they loved winning, and they loved winning. And so I don't see that type of of mentality with this team, not yet, anyway. So, but again, they're coming around, and may, maybe they will. But I just I just don't see it. And to me, that's what frustrates me and most Sox fans because you have the most talented team 
in the in the division, but you're still getting beat up by guys who are far less talented who play fundamentally sound baseball. Hundred percent. And you touched on Luis Robert. Luis Robert Jr. has probably been the best major league baseball player in the month of May. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think right now. It's a two-horse race to be the starting center fielder for the American League All-Stars between him and Mr. Mike Trout. And, you know, Mike Trout is a top-five player ever, in my opinion. And, you know, he's not the best player in the league anymore, but he's up there still. And, you know, being in a conversation with a guy like that is unbelievable. Joe Mandel brought up the benching of Luis Robert, you know, after that game where he, you know, ran down to first and he looked like he didn't care about being there and people I don't know about running Vinny. I don't know if he ran. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I, I honestly think I I would have put a better effort in that, on that one particular play. And obviously running wasn't my strong suit when I played baseball, which is why I was a first baseman and a catcher. But um <laughs> I I just what we've seen from him since that benching has been otherworldly and it's like this is the Luis Robert Jr that we were promised when he signed coming in from Cuba back in, I think it was 2018 when he signed as a 18 year old or whatever it was. And now we're seeing kind of the fruits of that labor. If he could stay healthy though. I mean, what's your whole takeaway from Luis Robert? Cause we were down on him last time you were on. Yeah, I was because or not because of that. Well, exactly what I said, dude, there's, you know what, there's, there's part of it to me thinks that, you know, the, the fact that they got their money, all right, Lou Bob, Yo-Yo, Eloy. All right, they all got their money before. You know, if, if it works out, it's a great deal, great contract for the White Sox. If they don't live up to their potential, it's a great deal for the players, okay? Because if um, – and right now they're not living up to their potential, so it's a great deal. And I th- and personally, I think that, may, that they may have um, – I said maybe relaxed a little since they got their money. All right, I look at it from a bigger perspective, like, well, you know, these guys are coming – you're not coming from – you know, wealthy means, you know, and so you're, you're coming from Cuba and now you got millions and, and millions of dollars, dude, you don't, you're, you're, you're set, you're set, your family's set, your grandchildren are set, your kids, when you have kids and your grandkids, when they have kids, dude, they're set. So you, you, you live a completely different lifestyle. And to me, it seems as if they've taken their foot off the gas pedal. And that's what bugs me. Like now you want to chill when, you know, Lewis Robert, we mentioned Mike Trout. You mentioned him and Mike Trout, the uh, front runners for starting center fielder. He was being compared to Mike Trout because he's a five-tool player, and he hasn't lived up to that. And to me, that's frustrating as a former uh, professional football player and as a former high school coach and now a college coach when you don't take the gifts that God has given you and maximize them. So it seems like he's happy and not trying because he's still one of the better players in Major League Baseball when he doesn't really – put in i don't know how much work he puts in but he doesn't, doesn't have the mentality he's still one of the better players in the league imagine if he had that mentality where he wants to be the best player not center fielder just best player where his talents would take him and that's what i want to see there's got to come a point in time when you're a professional athlete where the money doesn't mean it it doesn't mean jack means what means what's important to you is is winning what's important to you is winning is hoisting the world series trophy that's what's important to you and i don't see that with this guy, with with lewis and with this team, I even think if he put his mind towards like winning an MVP, it would help the White Sox like just win games in the aggregate. And but I don't know, can an MVP be on a losing team? That's another question that are being debated. And White Sox Dawson was, right <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens. It, it happens from time to time, but there's always a debate: can a guy win MVP if he's not on a playoff team? And I think you can, because if you're the best player in the league, you deserve to be the MVP, whether or not the eight guys around you on the field that given day, you know, are good or not. Like Otani, Trout, they were never on winning MVP years. So, like, I, that's kind of where I stand on it. If Luis Robert keeps this going, he'll be in that conversation, whether the White Sox win or not. No, unfortunately, there's four guys who should be in that conversation every year. They should be, they should be stealing votes from each other, and that's Yo-Yo. Remember, Yoan Moncada was a top prospect in all of minor league baseball at one particular point. And then and Eloy came along, and he was a top prospect. He was even better. And then Lubob came along, he didn't, I mean, uh, the international signing, and he was even projected to be better. Those three guys, and then Tim Anderson is up there with his batting title and, and a lot of his spectacular plays. Dude, those, at least those three guys, maybe four, but at least three should be in the MVP conversation, at least have one or two votes every year. And that's if they took – if they I don't want to say take it seriously, but that's if they maximize and push themselves and had a, just a different mentality where they want to be the best because they the talent that they have is second to none. 
And they again, they just don't maximize it. And that is what frustrates me and White Sox Nation. And you bring up those four guys. If you would assume that if those four guys are all stealing MVP votes from each other, their starting lineup is scoring run after run as guys like Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn and Jake Berger turn into Major League Baseball players themselves. And then you look to the pitching rotation, and we're, if we're talking three years ago in 2020, we're like, okay, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, and Michael Kopech all have Cy Young caliber stuff if they can hone yep. in on it and throw gas and mix in the nasty junk. They, they can all be in Cy Young conversations. That has the makeup of a World Series contender. Now, Cease was great last year. He's been a little bit better in the last couple starts, but he, he hasn't been what he was last year. Giolito's having himself a nice bounce back year. But of the three, the most notable right now has been Michael Kopech. In his last 15 mm -hmm. innings, he's given up just, what, five hits, zero runs, 19 strikeouts. Just an unbelievable pitching performance from Kopech. What do you take away from his game right now? Uh, I think he's settling in. I think he's settling in. You know, I think he's in a good place personally, and people don't understand the, the amount – of of uh, uh, of the the how how much your personal life can affect your professional life, you know he had a, he you know his mental issues were were well documented. He had this situation with his uh, ex girlfriend, the mother of his child, you know, and not and COVID and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so you know he had a lot of things that he had to work out personally. I think he's just settled in. I think he's in a good place personally. And when he's in a good place personally, it's not a good thing for opposing batters, as we've seen. Yeah, 100%. And one thing I've noticed from Kopech when he pitched the last two games, he looks focused. You know, remember that picture of Giolito from the A series where he like had his face covered and went mm -hmm. viral and he looked nice and pissed off? And that, that was like the most focused we've ever seen Lucas Giolito. <laughs> Kopech looked like that each of the last two starts. And it makes you wonder like, has some flip switched where he knows what the stuff he has? He's had this gas since he was 17 years old. The Boston Red Sox took him. You know, in the draft, knowing what he could become, and then they knew they had to use a talent like that in order to bring in Chris Sale and go for the World Series. They did, but right now, Kopech is kind of answering all the questions that have been asked about him in the last six months. He has, he has, and you know what? And I, and I love it. It's about time again. I'm happy for him. And like you said, if those three pitchers, if those three pitchers could really get focused and get on track. They literally could all three. All three of those guys could have Cy Young votes, and man, that is one hell of a of a line of a rotation. Most people have two good pitchers if they're lucky. All right, most people have an ace, and then you know, guys that fill out the other four spots. When you have three guys who legitimately should be getting Cy Young votes, so if they were playing to the best of their potential, you're 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 right. You're talking about a, a deep run of the playoffs and legitimate shot at the World Series. It just seems that we can't get everybody focused and, and in control at the same time. Dylan Cease last year came in second in Cy Young voting. All right. Now, if he had get, if he can, well, he, it, Cease is still not over. I mean, it's only in, in end of May. And he, he hasn't been that like, bad. He no, no, not that other, bad. He hasn't been otherworldly like he was last year. Right, right. So, you know, you get those guys on track, that, that front three, the top three, plus Lance Lynn, you know what? That's not bad. That's not, a, that's, that'll definitely win you a hell of a lot more games than, than it'll lose you. So, Hopefully we, we can get on track. We're starting to hit better. We're starting to get uh, key hits. Um, what, what game? I can't remember what game it was or what series it was. When runners on first and second, nobody out. Okay, and Pedro Grafol bunts the ball to third. I was happy as a pig and slop. I was happy as a pig and slop. That's baseball. All right? I don't care what the, what the 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 stat nerds say. Well, you give up forty seven percent chance of giving. No, no, give up and out. And now the next thing, all you need is a a, a wild pitch. To get a run home, you know, a base hit probably brings two. Anything in a gap brings three. And then uh, who was it? Um, the, the infielder, Romy. Or no, uh, Romy goes and yeah, hits a triple and, yeah. and cleared the bases. So perfect. So I love what he's doing. Um, you know, the 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 way that they've been playing, they won the last two series. Like I said, they're going for the sweep today. Let's do it. And that's the one thing that I, I say is, I've been saying as well. I want two out of three. Just give me two out of three, win series, win series, win series. But if you win the first two, don't take your foot off the gas. Make sure you go for the sweep. Make sure if you got your foot on their neck, don't let them up because then you just lose the game, especially if it's, you know, a, a division rival. You can't afford to give up those games. You know, when you have them down to none, to nothing, you got to smell blood in the water and you got to go for the kill because you gain three games as opposed to gaining one. That's a two game swing. 
And right now, the, the White Sox can't afford to lose to give up any games to anybody. Do you believe that old saying that like just get in because anything can happen? You know, the the Stanley Cup final is about to be. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are they were a pretty they were a really good regular season team this year and have been great for years. Um, but then you got the Florida Panthers coming out of the East and they were the last team to make the playoffs in either conference. Sixteen out of sixteen uh, in the NBA. You got the team. You got a team that lost a play in game this year. Mm-hmm. Three games to one in you know, their conference final series. Now they won the second play in game against the Bulls and have taken it all the way up to the you know, potentially champions. Finals, and, yeah. you know, does that apply to you with the White Sox? Do you look at this and say, hey, I know the AL Central stinks and you're going to be viewed as the worst team to make the playoffs if you win the AL Central. But hey, the Padres made a deep run last year after kind of being a stinky wildcard team. Same thing with the Phillies. You know, we saw what the Mariners were able to do to the Astros. They ended up losing the series, but they made it hell of a series against that eventual World Series champion. Where do you stand on that noise? I just need to see how they're playing toward the end of the year. All right, because if you're just floundering and you back into the playoffs because somebody lost, you know, <clears throat> Cleveland or Minnesota or whoever's up there loses the last, you know, five out of seven games and we back in, then no, I don't, I, I don't think we'll make a good run. If we're playing good, I mean, if we and, and we we win and but another team's winning and we just happen to edge them out, yeah, then there's a shot. We need to be peaking at at the time or toward the end of the season, last two weeks of the season, we need to be playing our best baseball. And if we do, and we go into the get into the playoffs, hooker by crook at that particular point, then yeah, then there's a legitimate shot. I, I think it's I don't know how it's difficult when you're playing like crap to all of a sudden get in the playoffs and just turn it on because it's the play. All right, I think you need to you need to start up and preparing because those games leading in the last two weeks they're pretty much playoff intensity games anyway. So you're going to need to have that intensity because playoff baseball, playoff anything is a lot more intense than regular season so you need to be playing at that level with that intensity so when you get to the playoffs it's nothing new 100 um you touched on pedro grafal just a little bit and obviously early in the season there were some downs in my opinion i didn't like the way he handled um deekman and ruiz and you know guys who are no longer here but you know now that there's some better pitchers more productive pitchers in the bullpen you got garrett crochet back liam Hendricks is on his way back um joe kelly has been outstanding um, Kendall Graveman is Kendall Graveman. You know, he's just a solid reliever. Um, and then I, I've liked the lineups a lot better lately, too. And Jake Berger has helped make the depth of the lineup up here to be much better than it was during those times. But, you know, I do think a lot of the times a coach is a product of some of the players that he has, especially if you're like a middle of the pack coach. Like you have the Tito Franconas of the world who elevate your squad or like what Alex Cora did with Boston in 2018. And you also mm-hmm. have like your Tony LaRussas and stuff who might like hold you back a little bit. But for yeah. most part, you know, uh, the manager put the lineup together. You got your good players. You play your good players. You have a better chance to win. What have you made of Pedro Grafal through the first, what are we, 40 games into the season? Well, I, I liked, I liked the hire. Um, and he said a lot of the right things. Uh, and as the season began, I started having some doubts a little bit. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I was wondering as the, struggles started early was how you why you would put a rookie manager okay with a an underperforming veteran club if it was a veteran club that has been you know firing on all cylinders and you got people in the in the locker room in the clubhouse that were leaders okay it'd be a little easier transition like 05 with Ozzy or 04 when he came here I should say with Ozzy all right there's really no leaders in there I know Tim Anderson might be the vocal leader but Tim Anderson has a lot of personal stuff going on you know, he's he's a little erratic. He's flipping off fans. He's doing a whole bunch of other, you know what I mean? There's certain things about Tim. His defense, at, at times when you really can't afford to have it, he just blows a routine ground ball. We see that. We, how many, what, five, six years we've seen that now? So the leadership in the clubhouse was one that was lacking, in my opinion. And to bring a rookie manager in there who doesn't come with World Series, you know, I mean, he won one with, with Kansas City, but he was a bench coach. So this is the first time him actually calling the shots, being the man with the spotlight on him. So I was a little leery of it, okay? But he started the one thing that, that, that I'm liking is he's he's honest. He's upfront with these guys. You know, he's he's uh, demanding demanding the best out of them. Um, you know, he's benching people. You saw Lewis, Robert, um, not running. So 
I just want him to be a little bit more of a hard, you know, bad cop, and he can play good cop next year once he sets the tone. And maybe he has set the tone in the clubhouse. But initially, I was I was still a little. I'm mean, I'm still not all with it, but I'm a lot more at ease with him as a manager now than I was, you know, two, three, four weeks ago. I agree with you. And Pedro Grafal, he comes from like a catching cloth, you know, catcher's coach with Kansas City at one point. I mm-hmm. believe he was a catcher when he played. Um, you know, that happens a lot with managers. Both Chicago teams have catchers as their managers right now. And, you know, I see and for, I've talked to Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets on this program and or on this network. And both of them made it seem like Yasmani Grandal is actually the captain of the White Sox. And he's the leader in the clubhouse. And I don't know how true that is. I'm not there. The media portrays it as Tim Anderson being the guy. We thought Abreu was that amongst the Cuban or not the Cuban, the Latino group there. And it's kind of seems like they had like, you know, this like multiple guy leadership core. But Yasmani Grandal kind of seems to be at the forefront of it based on what I've heard from players. How can you evaluate what he's done so far this season? I know he had a big home run a couple days ago. Um, the production has been a little bit better offensively this year, minus the power. He was dis- a disaster last year. I actually think Grendahl's actually kind of had a good year so far. He has. He, he has. Uh, but he's got to be consistent. He's got to stay healthy, and that's the issue. You know, he's he's way underperforming, you know, with his contract that we gave him. So it's it's a situation where if he if he stays healthy, I think he'll be able to live up to that to the to that contract. Um, he hasn't been able to stay healthy to this point now. Now that Sebi Sebi Savala is a, is a good backup catcher, I like what he's doing. Right, and now it takes a lot of the, the pressure off him. You know, it, it's tiring. You know, being a catcher, people people don't understand like squatting down for nine innings. It's tough. It's tough. You know, it does a number on your knees. It does a number on your back and on your legs, and you got to get a little extra help. But it, it's physically exhausting. So when they can switch, they can swap him out as a DH when Sebi's uh, catching. You know, I just think the fact that he's healthy, he's in. A, if I'm not mistaken, he's in a contract year too, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. So that that always plays into players' performances as well because contract years somehow people always seem to do uh, just a little bit better because they they understand how the amount of money that's on the line if they, as long as they perform well either here where they're at or somewhere else. Yeah, hundred percent and. I know Zavala, he, he's been catching Kopech, and I think that's going to continue after the last two games. And we all know Lucas Giolito just – I'm sure he gets along with Yasmani Grandal, but he has not been a good battery mate for Lucas Giolito. Um, every, you know, it was McCann, and then he was mm-hmm. better with um, Reese McGuire, and now we've seen he's been better with Sebi Zavala. So Giolito's always kind of needed the defensive-minded catcher first more than Grandal. But um, I, I hope it continues for him. And, you know, you brought up health. You're a football guy, first and foremost. You're a football coach. You know injuries are the most important, you know, thing to kind of deal with in football. The healthiest teams, a lot of the healthiest, most talented teams always rise to the top in any level of football. Why do the White Sox, though, deal with such health issues? Is there any football acumen that you have that may lead you to believe something about why this consistently happens every year? Uh, the only thing I can think of is, is stretching. They're They're – uh, stretching routine has to be taken has to be taken in a uh, underneath a microscope and looked at um, intently because it's a, it's a lot of soft tissue injuries it's a lot of little sissy ass injuries that you know it's a tweak here it's a tweak there it's a tweak groin a tweak hammy a tweak this a, it's a tweaked oblique a tweak it's like come on you know it's there's I don't know how they stretch first of all I don't know how they train in the off season are they doing active stretching or explosive stretching you know, do they how how good their stretching routine is before they work out? You know, obviously what they're doing during the workout and then post workout stretches. How do they stretch before the game? All right, do they stretch? You know, are you warming up? Are you are you breaking a sweat before the game? And at my initial, my gut reaction would say, no, you're not breaking a sweat. Maybe you might, you know, get a little warm, but you got to be breaking a sweat, all right, before the game. And it's every game, and that's 162 162 times you got to do it. But your body will get used to it, and then it, it'll it should help. I again, I would love to see what these guys do, what their uh, the coaches have them do, but also what they need to do as well, because all these soft tissue injuries could could be avoided, and they need to be avoided. And I, I don't know why they keep happening. Well, I do know why they keep happening because something's wrong with their stretching routine and their diet. I don't know what they're eating. Young kids with a lot of money, maybe, maybe we might find out one of them had a Burger King or a McDonald's or a Wendy's addiction, and they you know that's all they ate. 
They got to start taking care of their bodies and understand that their body, that their, their performance and their health is directly correlated to their diet. Did you see that picture the other day that went viral? Kind of looked like a, a rap EP or something that was about to come out fresh of Shohei Otani sitting on the plane in a nice $10,000 suit, just dummying some Funyuns. No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I oh heard about the God. Funyuns thing, but I didn't see the picture. It's so funny. It's like, cause to me, Funyuns are like at the top of like the stoner chip, you know, <laughs> just, just, just like guys smoking weed in high school and college, like Funyuns are the chip and like <laughs> Shohei Otani, like stoner chips, but he goes out there and he throws a hundred and he hits 40 bombs a season. Nobody's ever going to question that guy. But with the white Sox, it's like everything just seems to lead to injury at some point. Like even Lou Bob, he missed yesterday's game. And now he's apparently going to be back today, which is good. Obviously that means it's not a long-term injury, but like you said, it's a little, always just a dumb, stupid little tweak of a muscle. And I hope they're able to get that figured out. But you know, before we get off the white Sox, I kind of think they can go on a run. Do you? Yeah. I do. They have everything necessary. Now, will they do it? That's the question. But they have more than enough talent. They have more. And, and maybe this is where Pedro Rufo has, has got him. Maybe he said, hey, listen, we're doing it my way now. All right. And if if, if he has and they're, they, they're buying in, okay. The sooner they buy into him, because he's he seems like an old school type of manager. All right. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's he's obviously um, uh, using and, and acclimated to, to the, the metrics. But there's a, oh, there's a thing about managers. It's a feel. All right, there's a feel, and you have to go with the, with your gut, and not always with the numbers. And I think he's a good good mix of that type of, of manager. And I think he, if he, if again, if he's got them believing, like, okay, wow, Pedro has our back, man. Pedro is making good calls, man. That was a good thing for us to bunt. That was a. I think the, the sooner they buy in, the sooner they can go on a run because this team is so God blessed talented, man. It's, it's not even funny. Not even, and we haven't even talked about Vaughn. We haven't even talked about Gavin Sheets. You know what I mean? Like we haven't even talked about those guys. And those guys are also who, who, are, who are really doing a number with us, bringing, get driving in key runs. So, you know, it's the, the fact that the ability for them to go on a run is there. Now, I don't, again, for me, a run is five series wins. I don't care. I don't need a seven, 10, 15 game win streak. Nice. Okay, but give me two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. Man, those wins, that's, that shit doubles up quick, fast, in a hurry. And next thing you know, we'll be at 500. Next thing you know, we'll be five games over. And, I'll, and I'll, at that particular point, it's on now. Outside of the Royal Series where they lost three or four, I'm pretty sure they are like winners of winners or splits of like five straight series minus the Royal Series there. So, and you've seen the the gap that they've kind of closed here. They were close to 10 games out at one point. Now they're five yeah. and a half. Yeah. You know, they, they continue this little seven and three, seven and three, seven and three in their last 10 over the next 30. They're right there with the twins by oh, yeah. June 15th, let's say. And so that's obviously something that we're all hoping to see on the other side of town. It's kind of been a reverse script. They got off to a very nice start. And, you know, competing with the Milwaukee Brewers, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Pittsburgh Pirates for the top spot in the NL Central, <laughs> it's unbelievable. They team of destiny. Um, I hope the Pirates get in really bad. It's a little side note. But, um, you know, and then they've tapered off. And there's some things going on with the Cubs that I'm not too sure, you know, if it's going to turn around. They obviously have some nice things to say. And that's where we'll start off. What's one thing you've liked about what you've seen from the Cubs so far this year? They don't quit. All right. The the culture was developed, was um, brought in and reinforced last year when you didn't have a lot of talent. All right. The Cubs went out and got a lot of talent. Um, and they're, they're, they don't get blown out very much. All right. They don't. And they're, they're in most games. And, you know, they, the one thing that about, uh, about Jed is like he realized, okay, Eric Hosmer wasn't doing it. I know he's a World Series champion. I know he brings a lot, a lot of veteran, uh, ex- a lot of experience to the clubhouse, but it wasn't working. So right, so he got rid of it. That simple. So he's getting younger. He's getting allowing the younger guys to play. On why Morel didn't start the season? What put the big? I have no idea. But you know what? He's making a he's making a name for himself. Uh, he was on the lips of on the lips of people last year. Now he's in the forefront of everybody. Like well, this kid is real. And, uh, and I love the way he plays. I think it's just a, a newer energy. You know, the kid brings a lot of a lot of that youthful exuberance that you can't get. You don't have when you're fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth year in the league. You know what I mean? You just because at that point, it's more business like because you've been in the league. 
this kid's still playing like he's in, in Puerto Rico or he's still in, you know, Little League just playing and having a blast doing it. And I think that's that's pretty infectious. And it, it doesn't it seems like they're not working. It seems like they're having fun playing. And that's a big difference. Absolutely. Uh, Morel, he came in last year. I'm pretty sure he's like, I'm going to hit a home run in my first at bat. He said that. And then, boom, first at bat, he takes it to Pluto. And home runs in five straight games. I, did, did he hit one yesterday? I don't think he made it six. But, you know, it is it is what it is. He's been outstanding. And it's not even like there were arbitration issues with keeping him down this year, like with Chris Bryant in 2015. Like, he played right. last year. You burned that year. It's done. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't get what they were doing there. And they brought in Matt Mervis to replace Hosmer, and he's been hitting a couple home runs. Yeah. Things are going well in that aspect. What's something you haven't liked about the Cubs so far? Um, some of the, I think, starting pitching um, leaves a little bit desired. But I think also like on the south side, key hits at po- uh, points in time, just key hits, and that's that's baseball. You know, you got to get when you get them, get someone on, you got to get them on, get them over, get them in. If they're already over, if they're on, if they're a duck on the pond, you got to get them in. You can't get, you can't waste runners in scoring position. I think the Cubs, just like the Sox, but just for talking to them, I think they're they're uh, you know they, they have to do a much better job in in those types of situations because that's you know pitchers are they're human, so they're going to walk a guy, all right? They're going to accidentally hit a guy. There's going to be an error in the field. If you can make people pay, if you cannot shoot yourself in the foot, and you make people pay when they make mistakes. You know, I think that's what they have to do because they're, they're they're much improved as far as talent wise from last year. They're just not the most talented team in baseball. So you're going to have to be one of the most fundamentally sound and smart teams in baseball. And key hits are huge. You got to go the other way. All right. You got runners in scoring position. All right. Take take the pitch where they give it. All right. Don't try and pull it. Don't try and, 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 and you know, uh, take it off out the park. You got to You got to just go the other way with it. Get the ball in play. And I think more key hits is what I haven't liked. We'll see. But now that Morell's back, again, that, that excitement, that energy is changed, and it's changed for the better on the north side. David Ross is not as popular as he was maybe mm-hmm. last year. Some people annoyed with how he handles the bullpen and bringing in Michael Falmer to close games instead of other people. Are you a David Ross guy still, or things kind of changing in your mind as well? You, you going with the Cubs crowd? No, I'm I'm still a David Ross guy. You know, I, I really am. And you got to understand, it, it's easy. This guy's. Why do you think so many catchers become managers? Because they have to manage the game while they're playing. All right, they have to. You know, and I know a lot of a lot of times they'll set the defense. I mean, defense sometimes comes from the dugout, but you have to be in charge and make sure everybody's in the right spot. All right, you have to under, and you have to understand batters. All right, you have to understand. Okay, well, this guy is. You know, he's he's able to get this batter out. You, you know, there's a lot that has to go that goes along with being a good catcher, which is why they make great managers. So because they didn't they started off, you know, not as well as they would have liked, trust me, it, it Cody Bellinger was out for a little bit, and that dude was on fire, and I was a big Bellinger fan. And I, I told people, I don't know, I may have even mentioned it to you or I was like, watch out for this dude, man, because I saw him when I watched him in spring training. I said, I'm not a swing analyst. But that looks a lot like his 2017, 2018 swing. And, you know, this was right before spring training started. And look at the year he's starting to have. So, he, you know, he'll be back. And, uh, you know, the professor's coming back. They'll be fine. You know, when you get everybody healthy again, you know, David, man- managers, like you know, managers and coaches, you're only as good as your players. If your players perform, then you're great. They, they sing your praises. And if they don't perform, you know, you're the worst manager. Get them out of here. Fire them. You know, his time's done. So. So still a David Ross guy. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's going to be good baseball played on the north side throughout the summer. Do I think they're going to be a playoff team? I do not. Um, I just think the National League is a tad bit deeper than the American League. And the, their division is a little more cramped at the top, even though no team is like quite the Dodgers or the Braves or, you know, even the Mets, you know, when the Mets are on, on their game. Um, so I don't know, but you know, it'll be exciting at Wrigley field for most of the summer. I do believe that. Um, one thing I wanted to really quickly ask you before we get off baseball, Wilson Contreras left the Cubs and Jose Abreu left the White Sox. 
neither of them have an OPS even close to 700, which is like where you start to become considered like a good hitter, 800 great hitter, 900 MVP caliber, um, 1000, like super MVP calendar <laughs> caliber. Um, did the White Sox and the Cubs each catch a break by those guys leaving? I don't know if they caught a break. Um, because just because they're doing that there where they're at now doesn't mean they would have done that here. Sure. Well, people say that, oh, well, look, he's doing, he's hitting this. doesn't mean that. All right. They're both going to new locations. They're both going. I mean, think about Jose. Jose's got his kid and, you know, or well, I don't know if they travel, you got to move down to Houston or do you not, you know what I mean? Do you not move into Houston with you? Do you keep him here in Chicago? All right. You're in a new environment. You're getting used to everything, your new teammates. And it's, it's a lot. And to come, to come along and, it's just it's just different, and trust me, Jose and Wilson are those types of guys who they go they can get out and run. They'll get out and run and hit 10, 12, 15 homers in a in a, in a month. You're like, whoa, what the hell happened? And get their numbers back to where they're 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 used to being. So right now, I don't know about catching a break both both sides of town. Um, they right now they're just having a slump. But then again, everyone's going to have a slump. And what if their slump is the beginning of the year? And what if they go on a tear from the all-star break on? You're going to forget about that slump real fast. So uh, I still miss Jose's leadership. I, I miss uh, his presence. But, you know, his, even he said when he was leaving, you know, it wasn't a family. And that's the thing in the locker room that, you know, that we didn't see, that we didn't really – we, we kind of had an idea, an inkling, but we weren't sure until he confirmed it when he left. For sure. Yeah, hopefully the each team – doesn't miss them too much by the end of the year because that would mean they were both playing good enough baseball to at least be in the postseason hunt. I want to move off onto the beloved for just a couple minutes before we end the program. Um, I'm watching Barroom Network's marquee show, I would say. The number one show here is Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. I think they just call it Bear Their Souls now, but Dan and Aldo, Dan Aguirre, Aldo Gandia are the main hosts. And they were going through the Chicago Bears schedule on Tuesday night and the great Aldo Gandia thinks that there's a chance the bears win every home game this season. And I started looking through it. I'm like, okay, they have that week one game against green Bay. If they win that game, they absolutely could possibly win every home game. And they haven't done that. I think Ditko was the last coach to win every home game. And I'm looking at the schedule as a whole, even some of the road games, it's a definite last place schedule. Am I crazy in agreeing with Aldo on that? Nope, not at all. All right, the there's a lot to go that goes into it. One, Justin Fields is is well, what what did Luke Getty say? Light years ahead of where he was at, but we knew that. All right, you you he knew that. All right, you understand that he's a great quarterback. All right, he's argue he was the top in the top two, number one or number two quarterback in the country coming out of high school. It was him and Trevor Lawrence. All right, look what he did when he went to. Ohio State. He left. He left Georgia because for whatever reason they wanted to play um, oh, Jake Fromm. Fromm. All right, they wanted to play him. Okay, no problem. So he goes to Ohio State, takes him to the college football playoffs. His two years gets him the championship game. His senior year, this kid's a winner. This kid's a winner. And mind you, last year was his third offense in three years. All right, don't. So when people sit there, you you can't tell me that you expect the guy to be uh, Joe Joe Montana in his third offense in three years. All right. And then he didn't have talent on the, on, as far as on the offensive line, they were having issues in the receiving core. He had issues. So come on, man, give him some talent. Look what happens when he does talent, when he does have talent, look at him at Ohio state. All right. The dude was not a running quarterback. The dude was sat in the pocket and picked you apart. And that's what people don't understand. He's going to be able to do that this year. And the, the steps, the, the leap that he's going to take is insane. So you, you, the Bears winning, you know, their home, all their home games is not a far, it's not a far fetched or uh, idea by any stretch. I still have them at ten games minimum, winning for the season. And people think I'm crazy, and they're like, well, "What evidence do you have to prove this?" And I'm, I'm trying to show them. That sometimes there's not evidence; it's just what you see. All right, it's just what you see. And, and you know, you upgraded the offensive line. You drafted Darnell Wright. He's a monster. You drafted or you 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 signed uh, Nate. Nasty Nate Davis, a right guard. He's he's a monster. So now you have a just a nasty, ornery bunch on the right side. You're moving Tevin Jenkins to the left side, all right, left guard. Now you got a, an ornery guy at the left guard. 
Okay, you, you have three of your five offensive linemen who are just nasty mother hubbards. Man, they're going to be – look at the run, the way that they ran last year. Okay, they're going to be able to run the ball very well this year. And what that does, that just opens everything up for Justin Fields. Justin Fields, I'm telling you, I can't wait until um, uh, spring training. Not spring training. Uh, training, camp. training camp. I can't wait till preseason, but I really can't wait till week one when we play the uh, that team from up north. And hand it to them. This this is going to be a completely different team, a completely different uh, vibe, a completely different uh, aura. Expect man, this team is going to be good. Justin Fields is going to make a jump that people are uh, that people are going to be surprised at. I mean, he's going to get M- MVP votes. He got one last year. All right, he's going to do a hell of a lot better. DJ Moore, man, that's all they've been doing is working together. Him, uh, they got t- uh, Tyler Scott, the kid from. Uh, uh, Cincy, was it Cincy? Yep, Cincy, yep. And um, then the running back from Texas, I'm super high on him. Roshan, yeah, uh, Rojo, Roshan Johnson. Yeah. So they, it's not a stretch by any by any means, Vinny. It's not. And the call, the most important thing is the culture, right? And people are talking about, well, they they got to stop the run. I get it, but they got enough guys. They got Billings. They had enough. They have enough guys to improve that defense. I'm not putting them in the 86, 85 Bears or the 2006 Bears defense by any stretch. But this, they're going to be much improved. They're going to stop the run much better. They may not be a top five run stop, uh, stopping team, but they'll be top half. And you go from damn near last to the middle of the pack. That's a huge improvement. That's a huge improvement, and that's going to win them a lot of games. Uh, I really love what they've done uh, on the offensive side. I like a lot what they've done on the defensive side. They couldn't get that key cornerstone three tech or that cornerstone edge rusher, but that's okay. Trust me. Next year, there's a lot of edge rushers coming out, a lot of good edge rushers. So you know what? You go and you you build up that, that defensive line, get a nice rotation. So you got Javon Dexter. Uh, Dexter. You have Zach with two C's, uh, Pickens from South Carolina. And these guys, Dexter was, was not – his his scheme was different. Everyone talks about, oh well, he 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 had you know, minimal sacks. Well, that's not what his job wasn't to penetrate last year. His job was to mirror the offensive lineman, stop the run. All right, different different attitude. All right, different scheme, different responsibilities. Zach Pickens, same thing. Well, not same thing. His issue was he had different coaches, and he said, "I'm going to be ten times better in the pros." He goes, "I had a different coach. I haven't had the same coach for two years." So you get him in the same system now. This year and next year, we'll, we'll see an even bigger step from him. But when there's some consistency in the coaching staff, man, these two guys are going to be fine. Then you can go get your edge rushers next year or your three-tech this year or whenever. You're, you you got enough draft capital to get two studs, either two stud ends or a stud three-tech and a stud edge, I should say. You have it. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm excited, really. Truth, truth be told, I'm really excited about it. And 10 wins, I'll be disappointed if they don't get 10 wins. I agree. I have them at ten and seven too, and I'm looking through the schedule. If like if they are, if Justin Fields is like an MVP caliber player, you could be really be talking like thirteen and four. But like I, I have a hard time going from first overall pick to like thirteen win football team. You know, I that very rarely ever happens. But you figure they win some games that you would think they lose, and you figure they probably lose a game or two that they probably should win just because they're young and experienced, whatever, especially early in the season. I'm a little scared of that Tampa Bay game in week two. I'm not going to lie to you. And I know, I know Tom Brady's gone. I know Baker Mayfield stinks, but like 97,000 degrees in Tampa Bay week two, like young team, probably hopefully coming off a big win at home against Green Bay. You kind of have to come down from that. That game feels trappy to me. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope. They go into Kansas City two and zero, which is certainly possible. But um, I watch out, watch out for that week three, bro. Watch out for that week three in Kansas City. That's what I, 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 I told a lot of people. I said, you know what? I said, watch out. I said this, this is going to be. And the one thing I like about Eberflus is he's not looking past anybody. He's focusing on Green Bay, and that's it. Yep. As far as he's concerned, there's only one game next year, and that's Green Bay. And as soon as that game's over, there's only one game, and, and that's Tampa. All right, and I love that mentality. All right, and I think I'm telling you, I think this that Chiefs Bears game is going to be a barn burner. And if the Chiefs and some team you know, they're coming off a Super Bowl, could be a, a hangover. Who knows? You don't Good get it ready. It, yeah, you don't get it ready in, in the first couple of weeks. Man, I I I said I said to my my peoples, do not be surprised if the Bears upset them. Do not be surprised. 
They are they're going, they understand the ramifications of that. They understand these guys. Justin Fields is the winner. All right. And you know, my my, so my my favorite wrestler of all time is Ric Flair. And his favorite saying, one of his favorite favorite sayings, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I think they're gonna go into their backyard. And if they don't win, they're gonna put up one hell of a fight. But they do have a great shot of winning week three. And if they win week three in Kansas City, guess what? The NFL is gonna be like, oh shit, these guys are for real, for real. So well, don't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, and very few road fan bases ever infiltrate Arrowhead like at an elite level. I could see Chicago. Yeah. I could see there oh. be some blue and orange at Arrowhead. It's a becoming, lot of blue and orange. It's the new Nashville, too. It's becoming this awesome destination for like bachelor parties and bachelorette parties, I've noticed. I've like seen like three or four people, groups close to me, go to Kansas City. Kansas for, City, huh? I'm like, Na- Nashville, Nashville caught on. Every, Nashville's not the best kept secret anymore. Everybody knows how <laughs> awesome Nashville is now. Kansas City's getting on that level, and I, I'm here for it. I, I like I like watching the Chiefs play. I love watching them carve up other teams that aren't the Bears at Arrowhead. To me, it's must see TV every time they're on Sunday Night Football or whatever. I just they have a brutal schedule. I mean, they play in that AFC West, West where the, Ra- yeah. the the Raiders they got Jimmy G. I don't know how good, they're, but if they're if they're a last place team, they're the best last place team in the league. Um, the Chargers, Justin Herbert's, you know, insane. And I actually think Russell Wilson and the Broncos are going to be a little bit less of a disappointment than they were last year. So, you know, they have that whole division. And then they're the first place team of their division last year. So they got to play the Bills, the Bengals, and the Jaguars, who all three of those teams could be Super Bowl contenders with elite quarterbacks as well. So the Bears might be on to something there. I really hope they are. And your optimism about them as somebody who has forgotten more football than I will ever know. I appreciate it. It makes me excited. I'm ready to run through a wall. And I also can't thank you enough for coming on our show. This has been an absolute <laughs> pleasure of mine. Oh, man. Anytime, bro. You know, I'm just a text away, bro. Absolutely. We will have you on at a handful more times before the baseball season is over, especially as we get to training camp. We can end every segment with uh, you Fair breaking talk. down some football. <laughs> I, I talk about the beloved on this show. A lot because it's crosstown crosstalk. It's baseball. It's Chicago baseball plus MLB. But this week I kind of wanted to go into Memorial Day weekend, stick into the three most popular teams in town. And although Connor Bedard is going to have something to say about that, real yes, soon he as well. yes, so, he will. Yes, he will do. What's it? Five five million dollars in in uh, what eighteen hours? Yep. Yep. <laughs> five million dollars yep. of of season tickets sold. I know. You know that hours? that tells me how great Chicago is. <laughs> Because, like, the Blackhawks are the fifth team in town, but they could be the first. They were the first from 2010 to 2015. And then the Cubs, of course, right when, you know, the run kind of – not ends because they were still good. But right. when they won their last playoff series, the Cubs won the World Series the following year and kind of took that thunder back. And then the Bears were a super team in 2018. 18, yeah. And, you know, I think that's the best Bears team to never win a playoff game probably of all time. And. Yeah. You know, I just I'm super excited. Chicago sports was looking kind of bleak a year ago because the White Sox were failing. The Bears just fired Matt Nagy and it was a disaster. And we knew they were going to tear it down and be a shithole team again. Uh, The Blackhawks still had Stan Bowman trying to win with (laughs) 38 year olds. Um, And the Cubs just traded off everyone. They hadn't showed any improvement yet. And the Bulls are, you know, the Bulls. Bulls. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's a whole cluster mess over there dude don't get me started on that friend that organization it's gonna we're probably gonna bring the big three back oh just what yeah. we need yep so. uh, run it back run it back we'll <laughs> we'll win another playing game just to lose the playing game to the team that's gonna go to the nba finals again that yeah. that blows my mind the the heat lost to the raptors right mm-hmm. was it the no the bulls beat the raptors Who oh yeah the, the bulls were in, uh that's a good question who'd the heat lose to was it the Atlanta Hawks? Hawks. Uh, yeah. The Atlanta yeah. Hawks. And yeah. then the Hawks got smoked in their first round series. The freaking heat upset the Bucks. Like, go figure, man. But you know what? They it's it's a couple things. One, it's it's official. The Jimmy Butler for Zach Levine trade was lost by the Bulls, that's for sure. Yep. Uh and two, playoff Jimmy is a different animal. He is a different there. animal, dude. He is is you know, I, I love this guy. <clears throat> I, you know, I think because of the fact the route that he took, you know, he's never been given anything. He was never a, he was a superstar. He wasn't a, a a highly touted guy coming out of college. He was a defensive stopper. All right, very athletic. And then, but the thing is, he worked on his game. You know, he had Tibbs with him. You know, to to reinforce the 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 grind 
in him. Like you're playing defense. All right. You get and then he, to his credit, he wanted to get he wanted a top matchup every night. Who's their best scorer? I got him. All right. I'll guard him. And then he started to develop his offensive game. Then he, you know, and he gets a bad rap from people. And this is people who don't play sports. And like he went when he went to Minnesota, like he had um Carl Anthony Towns and, and Wiggins, and those dudes were soft. And Jimmy's and there's nothing soft about Jimmy, man. Jimmy had to work for everything he's gotten, and he he's hardcore. And he challenged them. He probably called them all kinds of little, all kinds of names and little sissies and this and that. And they didn't like it. They didn't like it. I'm I'm Carl Anthony Towns. I'm I'm this. I'm Wiggins. I, you can't talk to me like that. He was like, no, you got to earn it. Then he goes to Philly and he gets some more soft. Joel Embiid wasn't as tough as you as he is now. All right. Then you had Ben Simmons, and we all know how soft that dude is. So he had another team where he was, you know pushing them to be the best and they just they just folded because they were soft then he goes and he gets gets uh united with pat riley come on man that's you couldn't ask for if you go from tibbs that's perfect perfect for him he was a leader everybody else looked up to him and he sets the tone man i love jimmy i wish him the best i don't know if they're gonna get past denver but i would wish him the best yeah i mean and you know they still (laughs) I know it's hard. They have to win one more against Boston. That's harder. That's easier said than done, getting that last fourth win against the Celtics, who were the overwhelming favorites going into the series. But, you know, I'm rooting for Jimmy as well. I do. You're right. He gets a bad rap. He gets a bad rap because he was in Chicago and Philly, you know, places that just are allergic to winning and playing the right way, despite how much talent they have. So all credit to him. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But they, they should be better. Hopefully they, they figure out what to do with that point guard situation because if they do and they can get somebody like Alonzo because uh you know to run that show it's it's a whole different Bulls team if you can get someone like Alonzo because I don't know how if and when we're getting Alonzo back and even if we do how soon he's going to be the Alonzo that we that we had last season or you know, two seasons ago his first year here when we had the best record in the East for damn near up to the All Star break. Absolutely. Oh, I would love for him to return and the Bulls find a way to get back to that level because at least it's fun when they're competitive but you know sean let everyone know where they can find you listen to your stuff so they can hear this conversation continue yeah you can find me my personal on facebook twitter instagram snapchat tiktok i know i'm 50 plus year old tiktoker but i do it for the show at the sean sierra uh you see at the bottom of the screen uh and please follow us on facebook we're on youtube and we have our own mobile app we have our own roku channel so if you have a roku tv in the house you can download the tile and you can watch us live on the big screen. Um, so uh, there, you can, that's where you can find us on Twitter. You can find us at Sports Zone Shy. That's C H I at Sports Zone Shy. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, you could go check out Sean Sports Zone Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at the Sean Sierra. Great Chicago sports follow. Just great follow in general. And of course. You can keep it also here at the Barroom Network and listen to all the great shows as we get ready for the, you know, the summer with baseball and OTAs with the Bears and training camp will be here before you know it. Hockey not going anywhere. Bar downs here through the summer. So we'll take you through the Chicago Blackhawks making the number one pick and they have the 19th pick. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I'll be back on South Burbs Hitman on Monday to discuss all White Sox with Joe Mandel and Steven Zim Zimmerman. Can't wait to do that. Sean, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. Make sure you follow me at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Make sure you follow Sean at the Sean Sierra on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing.